Well, let's dig in. Ephesians chapter 5. If you want to go ahead and turn there, get ready to read God's word. It's Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Um, it's on your notes. If you got your Bible app uh, on the Mosaic app, the notes are also there um, under the notes button. Uh, but let's dig in. Finding God's will can be a tough thing for some people. I know growing up, I felt like I had to get it just right, that God had one specific plan for me, and it wasn't because of anything wrong that any leaders had, had spoken into my life, but for some reason I just had this feeling that I had to get this right. And so I would pray, God, what do you want me to do? And there were multiple times growing up where I felt like God wanted me to do certain things. And usually it would happen at, <clears throat> at an altar of some kind. And for those of you that are unfamiliar with that, basically a time at the end of service where we would just either kneel at our seats or we would come forward and, and kneel at the altar. And we would just spend some extra time seeking God and praying. And so during times like that, multiple times I would feel like, man, God, I feel like you want me to maybe be a pastor. There were times when I felt like, God, you want me to be a, a music minister. God, I feel like you want me to be a missionary. And so all these different times and these different feelings and different directions and, and needless to say, when it really came time to choose, at least the self-imposed time to choose when I was getting out of college, you know, and, and you know, there's that one time when I'm going into college, it's like, well, what do I major in? And then there's the other time when you're getting out of college and it's like, well, what am I actually going to do? And I just felt this self-imposed pressure to get it right Fast forward a couple decades later, I've got a beautiful family. I've, I've been a lot of places. I spent time as a missionary in Bulgaria overseas. Uh, during my training, I spent time in, in the Philippines. Um, I spent time in Wisconsin and Illinois before I finally landed here. And looking back, I could have never written the story on my own. I could have never predicted what God was going to do or how he would work in and through my circumstances. I could never have predicted how God would have taken my failures and redeemed them for his glory like only he can. And so we're going to unpack a little bit of how to chase God's will because so many people get so tripped up on this. And they, especially you perfectionists out there, any perfectionists in the house, just go ahead and raise your hand so everybody sees you today. <laughs> so people that just feel like, man, I got to get it right. And if I don't get it right, the whole world is going to fall apart. And so we're going to talk about all kinds of different attitudes that we bring to this conversation of what does it look like to chase God's will. In Ephesians chapter 5, 15 through 17, it's a really simple sounding passage. But I think there's so much truth that we can get out of it today. So listen up. It says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Don't you love it? It's just Paul's just being candid with us. Don't live like a fool. Be like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I love this because there's some incredibly practical nuggets here. And it's like, man, Paul, when you put it like that, it just sounds so simple. I love how practical these verses are. And actually, if you go back and read the, these last three chapters of Ephesians, Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, 
You'll see all kinds of practical, practical advice. You'll see marriage advice. You'd see putting on the armor of God, how to think, how to live, how to approach life. Man, it's just jam-packed with all kinds of incredible wisdom. Everyone can apply. But let's dig into and let's unpack some commonly held thoughts about God's will. So a few things. Grab your notes. Let's fill in the blanks together. The first thing that we know that God's will is, we know from Scripture in the verse we just read that it is something we can understand. It's something that we can understand. Paul wouldn't say understand. He said in that verse, understand what the Lord wants you to do. In other translations it says, understand the will of God. He wouldn't say understand it if it wasn't possible. I think to Paul, it wasn't overly complicated. Some people like the drama of it all. Have you ever met somebody that just loves drama and if there's no drama in their life, they create it? And it's like, well, should I do this or should I do this? And it's like, and they, and it's like they get worked into this frenzy until all of a sudden they make a decision and then it's not anything they expected, right? Have you ever been around people like that? And I feel like Paul is just kind of giving us a pastoral message today and he's just saying, how about, how about just obedience? How about just obey? How about do what you already know to do? Understanding God's will is possible. Listen, knowing the details is not the same as knowing God's will. So much of the time we say, I can't understand God's will because I don't know all the details. Well, God, what are you going to do if this? What if this? What if this? What if I can't afford it? What if they don't like me? What if this doesn't happen? But knowing the details is completely different than understanding what God's will is. For instance, Jesus came and he just said, follow me. He didn't say what they were going to do tomorrow. He didn't say what was going to happen a few years from now. He just said, follow me. He comes to Abraham and he says, follow me. Let's go to a land that I will show you. Not a land I've already shown you, a land I will show you. What did God say to Joshua? He said, I will be with you. Be strong and courageous. Stay close to my word. So understanding God's will is not the same as having all the details. How about this? What is God's will not? God's will is not a mystery. It's not a mystery that in this mystical journey that you go on to hopefully someday find it. It's not like that. God's word is pretty straightforward. Listen to this. There is more commentary. There is more research. There's more content at your fingertips about God's word than any other book in all of history. And so when we say, oh, I just don't get it. If we really want to be honest and translate that for ourselves, it's probably just that we haven't dug in. Because God's will has been written out in his word for you more clear than you can imagine. Is it sometimes hard to understand the historical context and maybe the, you know, the reason and who it was written to? Yeah, but guess what? More people have studied it and offered their, their advice on it than any other book in history. It's available for the taking. It's available for digesting. It's available for reading. It's not a mystery. 
I think the KISS rule really applies to following God's will. Have you ever heard of the KISS rule? Keep it simple, stupid. I always love when I get to use a word like that from the pulpit. Kind of just, it doesn't quite feel right, but hey, it works here. What does Paul say? He says, don't live like fools. When it comes to God's will, it's not a mystery. Keep it simple, stupid. Don't overcomplicate it. So much of the time people say, I just want to go deeper. I just want to go deeper with God. And usually what they really mean by that, if you ask a bunch of questions, you just really get down to it. And what does deeper look like? What they really mean is I just want it to get more convoluted. I just want it to get more confusing. Listen, God's will is not a mystery. Jesus didn't come and die for you on a cross and rise again on the third day from the grave so that you couldn't understand. He did it to tear the veil in two so you could have access to his presence and know what to do next. It's not a mystery. Next blank, it's not a feeling. God's will is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's not a sensation. It's not a quiver in your liver. It's not the goosebumps on the back of your neck. God's will is not a feeling. When it comes to God's will, it's about It's not about what you feel, it's about what's real. There's no mystical approach to discovering it. The problem with this approach that God's will is kind of a feeling and you just go by how you feel, the problem with that is that feelings are incredibly unreliable and highly suspect. Highly suspect. They come from many sources. Your feelings could be based on fatigue. Your feelings could be based on illness. Your feelings could be based on a TV show that you just watched. Your feelings could be based on something that someone just said to you. It could be based on a book you read. It could be based on that bad pizza or that extra large milkshake that you drank last night right before you went to bed. Feelings are highly unreliable. The Bible says it like this, Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful and it's desperately wicked. In Hebrew, that means that it's sick. Literally, in Hebrew, it literally means your heart is sick. And when you're sick, you don't feel good. I know when I'm hungry and when I'm sick, I, I get that hangry, right? I get hangry feeling. And, and I'm just not happy. And when you don't feel good, you get all kinds of feelings. You, and people blame God all the time for stuff he didn't say because they, they're equating their feelings with God's will. God's will is not a feeling. Next, what else is God's will not? God's will is not a formula. God's will is not a formula. You see, the biggest problem of seeing God's will as a formula is that you have to follow it perfectly for it to turn out right. That's the way of a formula is, right? A plus B equals C. And if you don't get the formula right, you don't get the right answer. We're really about to make the perfectionists in the room just explode. The biggest problem of seeing God's will as a formula is that if you don't do it just right, it all falls apart. It doesn't take into account our humanity. If you look at God's will as just like, I got to do X and Y and that's going to equal Z, it doesn't take into account that you messed up. And so did I, that we're all sinners, that we're not perfect, that we're not going to always make the right choice. It's like baking. How many, how many love bakers out there, right? 
if you're putting in all the ingredients and you leave out the baking soda, you're probably going to end up with a pancake instead of a birthday cake, right? I've been there. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've done that thing where you mistake the, the sugar for the salt. It does not turn out right, right? If I miss one little step, I'm off in a wrong area, and maybe I've missed God's will forever. I've seen some people carry this kind of baggage. But listen, God's will is not a closed system. It's dynamic. And man, we should be saying amen about this because so much of the time we put so much stock in how we have or have not messed up. I think even Paul struggled with always knowing God's will. And, I, and struggle is probably the wrong word. He knew that he couldn't always know the details. In Acts 18.21, he said to some people when he was leaving, he said, I will come back later, God willing. And then in James 4.14-15, James instructs us, he says, How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. So even James, the apostle, knew that he wouldn't know the details. I hear people say all the time, God can't use me. I made this mistake in my life 10 years ago. I made the wrong choice. I married the wrong person. I made a bad mistake. For the rest of my life, I've just got to settle for second best. Has that ever been you? Where you thought because of what you did that you had just ruined God's will for your life. That's a lie. Let that sink in. That's a lie. You don't find the phrase second best in the Bible. You don't. You won't find it. It's a lie. Satan wants you to believe that because you did that, that God can't use you. Man, I see this kind of pressure on young adults all the time that are kind of launching out into the world and they're like, I just don't know what to do. And they're so bound up with indecision that, that, analysis, or that paralysis by analysis, right? And they feel like if they make the wrong decision then, it's gonna just throw their life on track for the rest, off track for the rest of their life. This is a misconception that if I disobey, then the whole thing falls apart. But the truth is, all throughout Scripture, people made mistakes. Can you imagine Moses saying, I killed a man. God can't use me now. But God did use Moses, right? Or can you imagine David saying, I committed adultery. God can't use me anymore. But God did use David, right? God forgives sin. And the fact is, God's will is dynamic. It takes into account even my mistakes and my humanity. Aren't you glad that God's will for your life is bigger than just one wrong decision? Amen? So God's will is not a mystery. It's not a feeling. It's not a formula. We can understand it. And so now the question we're going to answer today, what is God's will? What is God's will? It's a relationship. It's a relationship. And a relationship is way different than a roadmap, right? A relationship is way different than a to-do list. A relationship is way different than knowing exactly what's going to come. Remember, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Your purpose is a person. And if your purpose is a person, 
then it's not a career path. Your purpose is not just checking certain things off the list in life. Your purpose is a relationship with Jesus. Listen to what God says in Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24. This is what the Lord says. And by the way, anytime the Bible says this is what the Lord says, it's time to listen up, right? This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me. Love that. They truly know me and they understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, has spoken. What you, what you read when you read that is that your life is really less about you and it's more about him. Your life is really less about what you like and what you want and way more about what the Lord delights in. And you know what the Lord delights in? You knowing him. You understanding him. You understanding who he is and what he's like. This is a a life-changing perspective on God's will. It's not just some specific plan that you have to get for your life. It's about knowing him. And we're going to unpack this some more. In John 17, 3, it says, And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, to know you, the, the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. And so we see that our purpose and God's will for you and for me is way less about the details and the specifics and way more about the relationship that you have with your creator. Listen to just a few of these examples from God's word. Enoch, maybe somebody you haven't heard of before, but he's one of only a couple people in the Bible that that literally never died. Enoch walked so closely with God that one day he was just gone because the Lord took him. Abraham followed God into the unknown. Why? Not, it was because of his relationship and the trust that he placed in God. Thank goodness Joseph didn't rely on his geography or the circumstances in his life to determine the will of God. Otherwise, when he ended up as a slave or in prison, he would have just lost his mind. You see David having this amazing relationship with Jesus all throughout the Psalms where he's just writing about his relationship with God. Remember, your purpose is a person. God's will for your life is a relationship. We see Elijah One of the the prophets in the Old Testament, he was taken up to heaven in a whirlwind with fiery chariots around him. Why? Because he walked so close to God and God just wanted to take him home. Another one that he, because he walked so close to God, he didn't die. The prophets through all, all the Old Testament, they were able to speak on behalf of God. Why? Because they talked to him. You see the example of Jesus and the disciples. How did Jesus change the world? By building relationships with these 12 guys. The will of God for your life, it's a relationship. And then we see Paul getting knocked off his horse on the road to Damascus, blinded by the one and only Jesus whom he was persecuting. 
And why did his life change? Because he had an encounter and began a relationship with Jesus. And yet we say, I just don't know what God's will is for my life. I can't figure it out. Should I go to this college or that college? Should I get in this relationship or that relationship? Should I do this job or that job? Should I sell all my stuff and move to Hawaii? And the Lord says, yes. Right? We ask ourselves all kinds of crazy questions. You know, maybe I could just sell everything. Maybe God wants me to sell everything and go live in the Appalachian Trail. You know, when we start to play this game, should I do this or that, and get so bound up with the choice, then God's will becomes about something more than a relationship. It's like we're chasing God's will if it's this, as if it's this unreachable carrot that we'll never really figure out. But God's will is found in the person of Jesus. I don't want to downplay our careers. I believe God leads us and guides us into those. But they're not the main thing. Why? Because if you don't have a relationship with Jesus outside of your career, it's all for naught. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus outside of your vocation, then you've missed it all. If I pastor, serve Jesus through my vocation as a pastor my entire life, but I don't know Jesus, then when I stand before him, he'll say, I never knew you. So God's will for your life is a relationship. Let's jump back to our text for today. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine. That will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So what do we see? Some real practical examples. We're going to look around. We're going to watch every step. We're going to think and be intentional about how we live our life. We're going to redeem the time, making most of every opportunity, a.k.a. we're not going to waste time. We're not going to be lazy. We're not going to do meaningless things. We're going to live life based on what's important in eternity. We're going to understand the Lord's will, which I think if you read the epistles and you read the words of Jesus, you'll know that that comes by knowing God's word, obeying God's word, following Jesus, and having a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission, which is loving God and going into all the world and telling people about him. And that starts with your neighbors and your family, your schools, your workplace. It's that simple. And then number four, by being filled with the spirit. And so some very simple handles. And all those are found in the person of Jesus. Listen, you might end up in a certain place. Like when you do those things, when you focus on the relationship and you stay wise and you follow Jesus and you do your best to love him, you might end up in a certain place. But it's the relationship that got you there. And this is an important kind of mindset that you have to take. How you end up on the right path in God's will is by focusing on the relationship, not the destination, right? It's almost like God is a good father who's guiding you instead of giving you specifics. You know, I know that my parents were like this, and maybe your parents were like this too when you kind of launched out of the house and you turned 18, went to college or whatever it looked like for you. And there, there, you went through this season where mom and dad stopped telling you what to do 
and they just said, hey, if you want some advice, I'm available. Right? I know my parents did that for me, and instead of saying, well, I think you should do this, they would just ask questions. Well, what do you think about that? Or what, what's the pros? What's the cons of that? And they would lead me through a decision-making process. I like to think a lot of time that God is like that with us. Because here's what I know. God's general will leads to his specific will. They're not separate. Some people try to create these two arguments. Like there's the general will of God, which is like what's written down in scripture. And then there's this, this specific will of God that we've got to magically uncover. And I don't think they're disconnected. I don't think it's like, well, I'm just going to do God's general will and then I'm going to search for this very specific thing. I think they're completely connected and that you find the specific will by following the general will of God. Does that make sense? That you can't have one without the other. That if you don't do what you know to do, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus and follow him, if you don't say, man, I'm going to do exactly what you asked me to do, God, then you're never going to arrive at the specific will of God. You can't have one without the other. Listen, Moses was led to the mountain where he received the Ten Commandments because of his relationship with God. The disciples were led to the upper room where they were filled with the Holy Spirit because of their relationship with Jesus. Paul was led to Macedonia on his missionary journey because of his relationship with Jesus. Peter was led to the house of Cornelius where the separation between the Gentiles and the Jews was blown up and all because of his relationship with Jesus, because he spent time in prayer with God. Every single disciple, get this, except for John, gave their life as a martyr for the gospel. Why? Because of their relationship with Jesus. It was the relationship that led to the specifics in their life. And so what do you do in the meantime when you don't know? What do you do? with your life, when you're like, God, I don't know where you're gonna, I don't know where I'm gonna land, I don't know what, what job to take, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to study. What do you do? Bloom where you're planted. Bloom where you're planted. You might feel a little unsettled, like there's more, like you're missing something. Just dig in, get to know Jesus, and bloom where you're planted. Do what you already know to do, serve. Read his word. Get around believers that are going to help sharpen you and help you grow. How about this? Don't move until he says go. Some people are just got like happy feet, right? And they just always have to be going somewhere and doing something. And, and the moment that they kind of get used to something, they're like, what's next? What's next? What's next? How about this? Just say, God, until you very clearly say go, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to plant myself in this church community. I'm going to plant myself in this serving opportunity. I'm going to plant myself in the lives of some teenagers and mentor them. I'm going to plant myself in the lives of some kids and make sure that they have an example to look up to. I'm going to plant myself in this life group with these people and disciple them until they know Jesus. I'm going to plant myself and I'm not moving until you say go. This was always my attitude in ministry. And for the last 12 years, I planted myself in Sandwich, Illinois, of all places, that no one ever ends up in Sandwich, Illinois on purpose, let me tell you. It, they just don't. It's like the place you never pass through on accident. Like some places you go through on accident because you're on the highway, not Sandwich. You go there on purpose, right? And so, and the attitude was like, God, I'm here for the rest of my life until you say go. And it wasn't until God so clearly said go 
that I stepped out. Don't move until you know that he says go. And before he says go, many times God says grow. Many times before God ever says go somewhere and do this, he says stay put and grow. Sometimes that means grow up. Sometimes that means grow in your leadership abilities. Sometimes that means grow in the fruit of the spirit, in your maturity. But many times the precursor to you going is growing. Listen, hear this. It is so much better to be in anonymity and to be marked by God than to be in the spotlight and be marketed by man. It's so much better to be where no one knows you, when no one sees you, when you're not being celebrated, you're not being recognized, but you're marked by God than to be in the spotlight where people see you and you have recognition and be, and be marketed by man. It's so much better to know Jesus than for people to know you. Somebody needs to hear this today. We just need to have this attitude, God, I'll go, I'll stay, but it's all for your glory. Listen, the grass isn't greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. And we really need to have this attitude when it comes to God's will. It's greener where I spend time with you. It's greener when I deepen my relationship with you, Jesus. Why? Because being with him is the destination. So what can we conclude as our worship team comes? They're going to lead us in one more song that I, I felt is just a really appropriate response to this message today. What can we conclude? God's will is not a feeling. And so because God's will is not a feeling, I must know the word of God and be guided by it. What else do we know? God's will is not a formula. God can redeem my failures and use me for his glory regardless of my past choices. He's a God of second chances. He's the God of redemption. He can rewrite your story. Why? Because it's not about your story. It's about his story. What else do we know? God's will is a relationship. And like any relationship, this relationship requires courage. It requires endurance. It requires commitment. It requires boldness. Sometimes the boldest thing that you can do is stay. Sometimes the boldest thing that you can do is dig in and have endurance, steadfast endurance that the Bible talks about. Sometimes the boldest thing you, do, you can do is to go, to step out, to get out of your comfort zone. But the only way to find that answer is by knowing him, by having an attitude that says, Jesus, I just wanna know you. And when I know you, you're gonna lead me. And when I know you, there's not gonna be any, any boundaries on my obedience, right? That's the place we wanna get as disciples of Christ, as followers of, of the King. That then there's, God, there's no boundaries to me saying yes to you, amen? So what do I wanna encourage you as your pastor to do? Leave behind the perfect ideal the perfect picture of God's will. It's like, well, if I was really following God's will, it would look like this. Leave that behind and rest in knowing Jesus. 
Let him be enough. Let him guide you. You don't need all the details. You need a rock solid commitment to say, Jesus, I'm gonna follow you today. I'm gonna wake up tomorrow. I'm gonna follow you tomorrow. I'm gonna wake up the next day. I'm gonna follow you that day. I'm not gonna get out over my skis. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get to a, a place where I'm so bound up in the future that I can't live in the present. I just wanna follow you, Jesus. I just wanna know you. I just wanna know your voice. When you call, I wanna know if it's you or the pizza. Right? Dig into your relationship more than anything else in this world. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes with me. If you're like, Joe, I want a relationship with Jesus. I need to know Jesus more than anything. I need his guidance. I need his grace. I need his forgiveness. And you're saying, Joe, I can't follow the will of God because I don't have a relationship with Jesus. If that's you today and you just say, that's me. I want to know him. I wanna take the first step of saying yes to him and inviting him into my heart to lead my life. If that's you, with all the boldness you have, raise your hand today. I'd love to pray with you. Is that you? Amen. Amen. I wanna follow Jesus. God, I pray for those that raise their hands just now. God, I pray that as they offer their lives up to you, and I just wanna encourage you, you can do it right now at your seat with your own words, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me, I'm a sinner. I accept your free gift of salvation that, that I can have because of what you did for me on the cross. You died for me. You rose again on the third day. You're giving me your Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For those of you that have a relationship with Christ and you're following him, if you're anything like me, this song we're about to sing is a, is a prayer that we need to continue to pray. And like I said before, it doesn't mean that God's gonna tell you to pack his bag, pack your bags and move to the other side of the world, but he could. It doesn't mean that he's gonna ask you to quit your job and, and do something else, but he could could be asking you to stay when you don't want to. He could be asking you to go. But wherever he asks you, whatever he asks you to do and wherever he asks you to go, it's because you know him, because you follow him. And he's promised, I'm going to be with you wherever you go.